Good morning, everyone. It's good to look out and see you here. It's good to be in the house of the Lord to worship together. Let's, uh, let's just start with a moment of prayer here. God, as we open your word this morning, we pray that you will speak to us through it, that it will be alive for us, that it will cut past all our defenses and it will penetrate to the deepest marrow of our bones, that there will be nothing that is hidden from you because your word is exposing that in our lives. And we just pray that we will be open to that. We also pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together, they will be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I encourage you to grab your Bibles. If you haven't brought your Bible today, this is not a guilt trip moment. Uh, You can pull one out of the uh, pew in front of you. Uh, But I do encourage you to go get your Bible from home, not right now, please, but next week when you come uh, to bring it. Maybe it's right by your bedside and you read it all the time and maybe, frankly, it's kind of on a shelf and there's a little bit of dust and okay, that's fine. We're going to start over. There's a chance to start over or maybe start for the first time. If you don't have a Bible, please talk to someone out in the uh, gallery and we'll, uh, we'll be able to get you one. We want you to be in the Word of God. It's powerful. And so uh, if you'll open your Bible to Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, we're going to read today the parable of the seeds, or the parable of the sower, sort of depends on which uh, version you're looking at, but today is the parable of the seeds, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Listen closely, this is God's word for us today. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, Listen. (laughs) That gets your attention, doesn't it? Listen, says Jesus. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God was given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that... They may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. 
When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what was sown. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Well, I have to ask you this question this morning. As Kyle puts up the first slide, that's not the first slide. There we go. What's your type? What's your type? How many Pepsi lovers out there? Okay, how many Coke lovers out there? All right, that's Kyle's little joke. That wasn't my slide, I want you to know, because that slide is wrong. Who were the Coke lovers? Okay, good, you folks have found truth. That's good. We're praying for the Pepsi people. No, I'm just kidding. You're allowed to like whatever soda you like. Kyle, please take the slide down. Thank you very much. I like that slide. Coke's in the front. Okay, anyway. I remember uh, back in the 80s, yes, I'm that old. I really am. Uh, going to the mall, and uh, they had this thing called the Pepsi Challenge. Some of you might remember they had a Coke bottle and a Pepsi bottle behind this little screen, and you did this blind taste test and decided which ones you liked better. And I want you to know that I always chose Coke. It's not the fact that there used to be cocaine in it back in the 1910s or something like that. It was, whatever, I just like Coke. I like Coke. Uh, and, and some of you might like Pepsi, and we love you. Okay, so, yes, I remember doing the Pepsi challenge. It, it, the question was, what, what's your type? What's your type? Well, we might ask that about lots of things, couldn't we? we could, what's your type of music? Are you, a, are you a classical music person? Are you classic rock and roll, jazz, hip-hop, rhythm and blues, country? What are you? I'm sure there's lots more choices besides what I listed. What's your type? What's your type of TV show? Do you like comedies? Do you have favorite shows that you watch every week? Dramas? Maybe action? You like that? Or you might like reality TV? I'm a big Amazing Race fan. I don't know if any of you watch that, but I like that. I like to see all the cool places they'll go across the world. What's the type of person that you're attracted to? Whew, wow. We were just in church, Pastor Bill. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, just what, what do you like? Do you like wild people? Do you like calm people? Do you like people who are, you know, pushovers, softies? Or do you like people who are stern or edgy or over the edge? <laughs> what kind of technology do you like? Do you like your computer? Do you like your handheld? Or do you like things that don't involve electricity, like books? You remember those? Books, magazines, things like that? What kind of vehicle is your type? Are you a truck person? You know? Are you a car person? Are you a motorcycle person? Are you a boat person? It's really kind of hard to get to church in the boat alone, except for three Sundays a year, but other than that. Well, Jesus uh, tells a story here in this parable. He, he tells this story about the soils, and really what he's asking is, what's your type? What's your 
type of soil. What do you really like, he's saying. Not what do you like, though that was what we were exploring, sodas and cars or vehicles or things like that. No, not what do you like, but what are you like? What's your type of soil? Jesus was a, a teacher who, uh, well, he had what all teachers who are preaching or teaching to a large crowd, he had audio issues. Did you know that? Jesus was like anybody else who had to speak to a large crowd. He had to figure out how to talk to all these people. And so I'm going to ask Kyle to pull up the picture of the boat there. Jesus solved this by uh, going in this boat. Now, there was no uh, paraglider in the back. I, I don't really know where that came from. But uh, the, the boat, I didn't really look at that real closely. Anyway, this is like an ancient-style uh, boat, and uh, Jesus uh, would have uh, pushed out from shore uh, with the disciples, and uh, by taking him offshore, it protected him somewhat from the crowd. He was an extremely sought-after person. When he laid hands on people, they were healed, and uh, uh, people would crowd towards him because of that. It could actually become a little bit dangerous, surging crowds. So being in the boat and offshore would protect him a little bit, but it would also solve the audio issue. How do you speak to thousands of people that are on shore and he doesn't have a great sound technician back there? Thank you, Steve. He just has his voice. Well, you live near a lake, friends, and probably most of you know that when you're in your boat and you're talking and you're gossiping about your neighbor in the next boat over, they're way far away, but they heard every word you said. Yeah, sound bounces across water. And so he would push out on shore and he would speak and it would bounce across the water and more people could hear him. So when he was teaching, he would, in this case at least, he would be teaching from the boat. And Jesus taught using parables, little stories that were supposed to teach a lesson. These weren't actual historical events, but they're stories that kind of bring forth a significant point. You know how this works. If You might have heard this little story about God says to a, a person, uh, I'd like you to move this rock, a big rock. Show me the rock, Kyle. There we go. A big rock. He says, he says push on the rock, push on the rock. And so the person pushes on the rock all morning and they're exhausted and they have lunch and they push on the rock all afternoon and at the end of the day, God comes back and says, how'd the pushing go? And they say, oh, it's, it's terrible. I, I pushed all day. I didn't get anything done. God says, well, actually, I didn't remember. I didn't ask you to actually move the rock. I just asked you to push on the rock. See, it's a little parable about faithfulness. God will do the big moving. He just wants us to push. He just wants us to be a part of it. Be faithful to what I call you to do. Well, that's a little story. If I just set up, stood up here and said, you should be faithful to what God calls you to do, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, okay, in one year, out the other. But if I say, oh, I got this little story about a rock, and then you'll think you'll remember that story. Next time you see a big rock or you're trying to move a big rock, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that faithful story. Well, that's what Jesus was doing. He would tell these little stories because he knows that stories stick in people's minds and they, they just sit there and generate People go, huh, that's interesting. I think about that more. And Jesus didn't just tell a simple story. Oftentimes, he would tell a story that was a little bit mysterious, a little bit cryptic, a little bit not easy to understand. His purpose was to pique people's interest. He wanted them to 
be encouraged to dig, to dig more for meaning. What did he mean by that? He wanted them to turn to their neighbor and say, that was weird. What, what do you think he meant by that? He wanted them to engage in the process of digging and, and, and finding out, of, of saying, maybe, oh, maybe i, I got to follow this guy around a little bit more so that I'll understand what he's getting at. He knew that all of us as human beings benefit when it's not just handed to us easily, but when we have to kind of work for it. You know how it is. If you get this awesome present at Christmas time and you didn't do anything for it, it can be awesome. And, and maybe after a while you sort of step away. But what if you had to save your pennies over a number of months and then you went and you, you got that present and, oh, man, what a great thing. You, you probably own that a little bit more than if it was just easily handed to you. I want to show you a picture of one of the ugliest cards ever made, a 1984 red Toyota Tercel wagon. There it is. Isn't that beautiful? It wasn't this particular wagon, but it was one similar to this that my youth pastor owned when I was in high school. And the guy, you know the guy was a saint because he let me probably take a whole year off the transmission by learning how to drive stick shift on his 1984 Toyota Tercel wagon. Uh, I, I, uh, I remember very distinctly the poor planning that went into this on, on my part. I foolishly decided to learn stick shift with two of my friends in the back seat. No. That was very... I was so nervous. You know, I didn't want to look bad in front of my friends. I stalled it out 21 times in a row. I still remember that. Now, to my credit, I want you to know that it was later determined that Toyota Tercels had some of the touchiest clutches. At least that's what I tell myself, okay? But with my two friends in the back seat, boy, I was, oh, I just, I couldn't relax. My youth pastor was kind. He was gracious. The, the deal was, though, that when I got it, I got it. I got it. And soon, I was able to drive that car all over the place. In fact, he even let me use it to drive youth to various events that we'd go to. I was, I was good, and I've never lost the ability to drive a stick shift. I won't tell you that I've never stalled again, but it's there. I own it. I had to struggle for it. I had to be embarrassed in front of my friends for it. But when I finally got it, wow, I really owned it. So Jesus knows that we want his teaching, his stories, what he offers to us. We want it to be quick and fast and easy and just we get it quickly and, and he knows that that's not always good for us. It's not always good to resolve everything in 23 minutes like a sitcom does on TV. It's not always good to have everything work out great in the feel-good movie. You know, all the tension and the drama and they hated each other and now they're back together and doesn't just make you want to go out and buy stock in Disney or something. Jesus says he does things that don't, mm, they're not always that easy for us to understand. Did you hear the words he said in the middle of this passage? These are strange words. He's speaking this to the, the close friends that have gathered with him after he's been teaching to the crowd. He says, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside... Everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Wait a minute. Is Jesus saying that he, that he hopes people 
won't turn and be forgiven? No. He's not. It might seem like that at first, but really he's quoting Isaiah. He's quoting Isaiah, a very familiar passage to them in the call of Isaiah where God says, I want you to go preach to these people. And frankly, Isaiah, there's going to be a lot of them that listen to you and say, "Mm, I'm not interested in your message. They're always seeing but never perceiving, always hearing but never really owning it. Jesus says that, but he says it in this context, the context of this is why I teach in parables. Not because I'm trying to frustrate people, but because I know that they want it easy and I'm going to give it to them, but in this mysterious way that they'll have to contemplate and work through. And when they get through it, they'll say, oh, that's really, yeah, that makes sense. See, Jesus knows that only by following him and finally fully surrendering ourselves to him will we ever fully begin to get And grasp and understand the awesomeness that he has for us in his kingdom. It reminds me of one of my favorite parables from Jesus, which is uh, the parable of the treasure in the field. Jesus says a man goes out to a field and he finds this awesome treasure in the field. And then what does he do? He buries it. He goes back. He sells everything he has to scrape together the money to buy the field and what? Go and get the treasure. He knows he can't leave the treasure in the field and just take it. That's somebody else's. But if he buries it and then he goes and buys the field, he gets it all. And see, Jesus is saying, if you want to understand and know me, you can't just do this sort of half-hearted, you know, yeah, I think I'll kind of do a little Jesus on the side. I've got my life and then I've got, you know, my work life and my fun life and I've got like a little church life on the side and maybe a little Jesus life with like a five-minute devotion. Or Jesus is saying, your life devoted to me. Well, does that mean we become mendicant monks wandering around asking people to take care of our needs, abandoning our families? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that we prioritize God first thing in our lives. If we have to make a big decision after high school, am I going to the military? Am I going to have a job? Am I going to go to college? That we pray about it and we say, God, what's your will in my life? That if we wake up on Sunday morning that we say, God, you're priority one, which means, yeah, I know the lake's there, and yes, I know that sporting event is there, and yes, I understand all the, the good museums I could be going to or the amazing shopping outlets just waiting for me in Erie. But really, I'm going to prioritize you, God. I'm going to spend my time with you today. What an idea. What an awesome God we serve that we could wake up One morning a week, one morning out of seven and say, today is the day. I don't have to do anything except be with God. I can relax with his people. I can just have freedom to be with the Lord. Doesn't that sound like a good gift? Kind of hard to practice, isn't it? Aren't you tempted? Oh, I think I'll do a few things on the side. Yeah. God says, prioritize me. Find out how awesome It will be. Well, Jesus uses these parables. And in this parable, he starts out with this word, listen. (laughs) I remember playing basketball in high school. And um, when we would come back to the bench, the coach would say, listen up. You know, there's 30 seconds left. You know, were we like, 
I don't know, I'm just kind of checking out the cheerleaders here. No, we were focused. We were focused on that little whiteboard that he was, you know, making the last final plan. This was, was a play that was going to make or break the game. Listen up. And that's what Jesus says to them. He says, listen, listen up. This little story I'm about to tell you, this is important. This has information that could really change your life. And then he ends the story, by the way, with this interesting little metaphor. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Let them hear. Well, I'm pretty sure everybody in the congregation that day had ears. Most of you have ears. If somebody doesn't have an ear, I, I hope I'm not offending you. I, no, it's a metaphor. If you, if you hear this, let it sink deep. Dig around. Talk to other people about it. Start asking questions. Jesus tells the story and then he says, yeah, if anybody you can hear that, you think about it. Boom, he drops the mic and walks away. People are like, so, farmer, soils, hard soil, rocky soil. What does that mean? That's exactly what he wants them to do. He wants them to think about it. So here it is, the story of the soils. It's not the story, by the way, did you notice, of the flash flood or the exciting tornadic experience like on the Weather Channel. It's not the story of hurricanes or the story of fast-moving, you know, monsoons. It's not the story of chariot race. It's not the story of the 23-minute infomercial. It's the story of the soil and seed being planted in soil and months and months later, the results come. Wow. That is not our speed, is it? That is not our speed. And yet, so often, God just moves in this slow, continuous way, the way a plant grows up. And after a while, we go, oh my goodness, there's been growth here. We didn't even hardly notice it. Jesus wants to know what kind of growth is going on in our lives. The seed, he says, is the word of God, which gets thrown by the farmer. And in ancient farming, they didn't plant seeds down in the soil like we did. They took, they had a bag full of seeds, and they would spray the seed. They'd just like fling the seeds across the, the, the field. And of course, as they walked around, there were little pads around the field, and so some of the seeds would go on those pads, and they would be on the hard place, and some would go in rocky soil, and some thorny, and some good soil. And so Jesus explores this common image for them, and so let's explore it for us as well. The first is the hard path. This is not the path of an ancient uh, um, uh, place where plants are grown, field, but this is similar, isn't it? Just a, a path of in the woods. If you threw seeds on that, what would happen? A car would drive over it. Some kid on an ATV would spray it off into the woods, right? Yeah. But here Jesus says, some seed gets thrown on the hard paths around the fields. And as soon as it's thrown down there, it's snatched away, he says. Snatched away by Satan. I remember um, a young man who was getting married to a woman in a church I was serving, and I had a talk with him. You know, are, are you clear on this whole 
uh, Jesus thing, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All clear. All right, okay, just making sure. And then we had the wedding, and less than a month later, it became abundantly clear that his soil was the hard ground. He just went off the deep end, treating her terribly. And it's like all the, the things that I had said to him just bounced off. Have you uh, sat around in your life at any time? Maybe right now. Maybe long ago. People said stuff to you about how good God is and it just bounced off you. Like, what? What are they talking about? I got a life to live here. Some of you might, somebody might be sitting here today like, how did I ever get caught in this church service? They raised their hands. The guy gets up there and preaches too long. What are you doing here? Well, you're getting seeds thrown at you. What kind of soil are you? Sometimes we look at things and we just can't see it. Let's uh, pull up this uh, picture here. Uh, how many people here see the two faces looking at each other? Great. How many people see the black face? Oh, did you, did you see that first? Which did you see first? Maybe you're familiar with these pictures. Try the next one. Uh, guy with a saxophone. See that? How about the woman's face? You see that? Good, good, good. How about this last one? This last one is more challenging. Who sees the young woman looking away? Good. Who sees the older woman looking to the side? Anybody out there going, uh, I see one, but I don't see the other? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's possible to have everybody saying, yeah, this God stuff is real, and you're sitting there going, I don't get it. I don't see it. You know, God can, God can change that soil in your life. I, I, lo- I love it. People are out there going, look at, the, look, at the, look at this perspective. <laughs> I know, I just told it, turn that picture off, man. People are going to be looking at that for a, a very long time. Right, okay, so sorry. You can look it up on the Internet. It's out there. Uh, yeah, yeah. What, some some folks have been in church for a long time, and uh, you know stuff is just bouncing off them. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here for the first time, and stuff has been bouncing off you for years. But you're wondering, could it could it be different for me? Well, the second soil is the rocky soil, and Jesus says here initially, the person who has rocky soil for their heart that that it's 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 some they receive the word of God. Quickly, and, and the, uh, the, the seed sort of of the word springs up in their life. They're excited. They sense that God is doing something. They respond right away to what God is doing. And they start attending church. They start getting involved. But, but then something happens. Something happens that they didn't expect. Something happens that just causes things to fizzle. I had a plant near my house uh, uh, where I lived uh, several years back, and and uh, I would put that, it, we would plant the plant. Everything seemed fine. It would grow. And then when the hot sun finally really hit in the summer, that plant would just die. Why is with this plant? None of these other plants are doing this. What's the problem? We kind of wondered if the soil was contaminated or something. You know what? We dug down a little further. We found out that whoever poured the concrete, somehow there was this 
lapse or something, and concrete had flowed out kind of onto the ground. And I don't know how this happened, but basically there's the side of the house and then just this one place where concrete was further out. So whatever you planted in there, if you went more than about six inches down, suddenly, bam, you just hit concrete. Those, when, when the heat came in the summertime, that plant had no roots to, to water. It just, it just got killed off. I think of a friend of mine who uh, grew up in the church. Good friend of mine. He was active. He was participating. He was a person who would have said absolutely he was a Christian. And he went off to college and he married a, a beautiful woman and things seemed to be going well. And then that marriage just started going sour. Sour, sour, sour. And after a while, they were really at each other's throats. It was bad. And he eventually stepped away, and she stepped away, and they said, this is over. But you know what? For him as well, he said, how could God have let this happen? You know, I I thought I was following a God that my life would be good. That he'd take care of me. He'd keep me from these kind of things. And you know, he walked away from his faith, and I still pray for my friend today because he's still away from the faith. It's like he had soil, he had roots that went down, but when the really hard moment came, instead of leaning on God, he just pulled away and said, I, I, I'm not getting anything here. Is that you? Have you had anything like that? Are you tempted to think because of whatever is going on in your life right now, a disease or somebody died or some very difficult situation that God has abandoned you? That it's not possible that this could be happening to you if God is good. Friends, Jesus says, the rocky soil dies because it doesn't have the water. Are you there? Are you are your roots kind of shallow? Something to think about. Next comes the weedy soil. These people hear and grow, but then Jesus really nails it. The, the three things here, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things just kind of drag them away slowly. Boy, think about those three things. The worries of this life. You know, sometimes we just get so taken up with what is consuming us. We just, we're, how am I going to? How am I going to get past this? It, it just becomes something that can drag us away from God because we're so focused on it, no matter what it is. Stressing about all the things that still have to be done. Or the deceitfulness of wealth. Man, if I just have a little bit more money, I will, I will be happy. I really will. I will be happy. No. You'll just be trying to figure out how to spend that money within the budget that you have. It's so easy to think, you know, that, that, that it's going to make us happy. I, I find that when we preach about tithing, giving a tenth of our income to the Lord, whoa, this brings up this problem right front and center, doesn't it? What will really make you happy? Deceitfulness of wealth. Or the desire for other things. Once again, I've seen this happen again and again. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen this happen where a young person who is single, 
is going along in the faith and then they meet somebody who doesn't know the Lord or who says they do, but it doesn't seem to be evident from their practice. That, that they're just, that person comes to a point where they're saying, I, I almost kind of have to choose between this person and God. And frankly, this person is right here and they hold me and they love me. And God's kind of, yeah, I know that's important. And I mean, I've had so many conversations with people saying, just ask yourself this question. Does hanging out with this person bring you closer or farther away from Jesus? And they're like, yeah, yeah, mm, yeah, I'll think about that. Oh, yeah, the answer is clear. This person is dragging them away. And you know what? I've seen people resist it, and I've seen people give into it. I can think of a friend of mine who gave into it, drawn away by a married man. Oh, he'll be divorced soon. She left the church and she's not in it right now. I'm not here to be a downer today. But Jesus knows that these things can choke out like a weed chokes out a good plant. It can choke out the good growth that God has for us. Well, Jesus ends on an up note. The healthy soil. Those who hear the word and accept it And it produces a crop of 30, 60, even 100 times what is sown. It's kind of hard to know here whether this means that on a head of wheat, you might have 30, 60, or even 100 grains. Or maybe Jesus is using this amazing idea. You plant one seed and you get 30, 60, even 100 plants. Well, that's impossible. I know for a normal seed, but we're talking about the word of God. We're talking about God's ability to multiply in your life the grace and the the joy and the hope that can be spread to other people. I think of my friend Bonnie who died a year and a half ago. She was a woman who shouldn't have died yet. She was young. She had cancer. People loved her. Her co-workers loved her. Her family loved her. She worked with refugees She worked with people who were coming to this country and had nothing, and she went out and loved them. It was like God was just coming out of her. It was like there was growth everywhere. I don't know why she died, but I didn't decide that God was unfaithful because of it. I just decided to say, you know what? God used her 30, 60, even 100 times what she could have ever done on her own. That's the kind of soil God wants each one of us to be. He wants us to look out there and look at ourselves and say, what's my type? Yeah, I, by the grace of God, not by my own goodness, but by the grace of God, I can see that kingdom things are happening because people are hanging out with me. I'm speaking a word of truth here, or I'm encouraging someone, or I'm loving people and they're sensing the Spirit of God. He's saying that can happen in your life. It really can. But now I just I just want you to think for a moment. What what soil are you? What type are you? That's where Jesus left those folks. And I I want to say this one word of encouragement. It doesn't matter what type you are. 
If you're one of the three first, one of the first three, you can become the healthy soil. Not by your own strength and power, but by the work of God in your life. God can break up that hard ground. He can rip out those rocks or take away those uh, thorns and weeds. He can help you. All you have to do is ask, God, please help me. I'm sick of letting wealth drag me away from you. God, please help me. I don't feel like I'm deep at all. If something big happens, I feel like I might be tempted to think you're not all that I say that you are. God, please help me. I, I, don't, I, I haven't really cared up until this point who you are, and now I'm sensing there might be something more here. And if there is, will you just break through that? Soil a little bit in my life. He will. What kind of, what's your type? Let's pray. God, I just pray that you will encourage people today. We're just doing some work with you here this morning, Lord. Good work. Work in which we Allow your spirit to speak into our lives. What kind of soil are we? For anyone out there who has been allowing the good news of your word to to bounce off them, I just pray that you will be a breakthrough for them. That you'll do that work of helping them see the grace that's available. God, as well, I I pray for anyone who's got rocky soil and they're realizing that tough times could drag them away, that their roots are not really deep. Lord, I pray that you will encourage them, that you will help grow their roots, that you will help them to to worship and to read their Bibles and to just just to, to sense the goodness that you have there, the depth that you have there that can withstand anything. Lord, for those who have thorny soil, soil which is good and growing, but full of things which are distracting them, relationships or money or just stuff that can drag them away, cares of this world. God, I just pray that You will not allow that to happen, that you will give them a special sense of your spirit that they will say, Lord, I'm going to sell all I have and go get that treasure in that field. I'm going to stick with you, God. I'm going to choose you, make you first, prioritize you. And Lord, for anyone who is good soil, I pray you will protect them. Protect them and Keep them growing. Keep using them, Lord. Inspire and encourage them. Don't let them revert into one of the other soils. All of us, God, can be one of these soils at one point or another. Just work in our lives. Help us, God. Help us. We sang earlier, all things are possible. And we sang, our God saves. God, that's what we need from you. Hope. Encouragement and the strength we need to allow you to change us into the soil you'll have us be. God, make us good soil. Make us good soil. Pray this in Jesus' name.